Welcome to the Eat Sleep Chelsea Repeat pod. On today's pod, where else to start but to discuss Potter's ever-fragile position as head coach. We're going to break down our crushing home defeat to the bottom of the table, Southampton. Tap into our mental thermometers as well for our regular temperature checks. And we preview a pivotal trip to North London as we take on Spurs this Sunday. I'm Chris, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Craig and our good friend Brady. How are we feeling, boys? Do, do, I, do I dare ask? Well, it's a rhetorical question being a Chelsea fan at the moment, isn't it? So, I, I, I went to the dentist today to have more fun than watching Chelsea, to be honest. So, yeah, it's not great, is it? I'm not feeling good, mate. Yeah, I'm not feeling good. Not feeling good, yeah. Well, I mean, there's only one place to start, really, and that is um, Graham Potter. And we talked about him couple of weeks ago we've we discussed sort of where he might need to improve things where we can maybe make adjustments and and now we've sort of reached a a point where kind of need to make a we thought a decision would be made this week but where do you stand on potter are you potter in you potter out or you potter not sure (laughs) and potter don't care i think Um, (laughs) (laughs) i I, I don't i don't think they will sack him so that's why I I don't care. Obviously, his, his horrendous our horrendous performances. He deserves to be sacked in in any other, uh, and if he is sacked, it will be you know well, well deserved. I guess is is what I mean. Um, you know, for the eleventh time in twenty four games now, we scored zero goals in a game. Um, to put that into perspective, previous manager Thomas Tuchel. Still a fan favourite. 2.53 goals per game in his first 50 games. Two and a half goals a game. I just miss scoring goals in games. I just can't. And it's another home game gone by. It was brutal that for this week you said, uh, I can't wait to celebrate a goal. And I could tell you thought it was going to happen against Southampton. And it, and it did. <laughs> thought it was going to happen. This guy, These guys have conceded 40 I said 1-0. Nil. I said 1-0. I can't believe. If you yeah, didn't say one nil Southampton, did yeah, you? Yeah, I know, but I was pessimistic. Well, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't scored two goals in a game this season. Uh, sorry, this year. Barely this yeah. season, to be honest, as well. And yeah, I mean, Tuchel only lost 16 times as Chelsea manager. Um, and Potter's already lost 10 times now um, in his short tenure. Um, I think. So yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 just, I just don't see where... He goes from here. I mean, up is the only way he can go because that that was an all time low for me uh, on on Saturday. Well, we need we need nine points to hit the magic forty. Um, yeah. I, I hate this chat, the the yeah, relegation yeah, yeah. chat. Down. It's it's not. I don't find it amusing, and it's just depressing. It really, really is. What do you, what do you think, Brady? You in out? Where are you standing on him? In out, I shake it all about. But no, it's I've been. To be honest, I've been lukewarm on Grand Potter for a long time. Um, I'm not going to say in or out because it's like Craig. It's it's a bit of a mute point because he isn't going anywhere. We've said since it's um, a few days after the game, but the first hints that like there's noises from the club, he's going nowhere. So you know, and there's a lack of options. But if you just look at it, I, I won't say in or out, but I'll just name a few stats from his reign. He's got two wins in 14 league games. He's got eight goals in 14 league games. And 12 points in 14 league games. I mean, if you're a Rochdale manager, that usually gets you the sack. Let alone Chelsea. I mean, if any... Of course, it's pretty much well known if you get... If you're this poor, you're gone. 
But he I mean, if you're this bad at your job in any job, you're gone, <laughs> right? If you're yeah. just performing as poorly as this in a job, you will be fired. I mean, it's just, it's part of life. He's the worst manager in Chelsea's history. In a worse, lot of than, worse, than, worse than Porterfield. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of people's opinions. But also in, yeah, win percentage. And not the Abramovich era. In, in the Premier League era for Chelsea. Yeah. So you're talking including Hoddle, yeah, Porterfield, these managers that were managing us when we, we weren't good at all. It, he, he's, he's winning 29% of the games that he's played out of 17 games. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, be, it's beyond bad. So this is, the, this is definitely the rant portion of the, of the pod. We'll get this out of the way yeah. and just moan and list bad statistics and bad records that he's broken. There's so many. I think we've got we've got an XG of seven in the last game, five games, and we've scored one. I mean, just it just goes on and on. This is terrible. What about you, Chris? I mean, we'll come to you. I mean, I think you've been. Let's say that you know I was devastated when Tuchel left. You didn't seem as devastated, what, and you seemed warmer on Potter throughout. I'd love to hear your thoughts um, after Saturday. Yeah, especially as, as as Brady said, you were you were so critical of, of Tuchel at the end of his tenure, saying that the football was very negative and we weren't scoring enough goals. Do you, do you think, in retrospect, maybe you've been a bit harsh? And um, what do you think has improved under Potter, if, if anything? Well, I think you, when you set your sights on a job and you set an expectation level, obviously that's where your bar is. I don't think Potter's ever really set that. So, I guess it's sort of. Sort of, when you're looking at it for Potter, he's never he's it's almost sort of regressed since the beginning, and it was never like amazing to begin with. So, um, in terms of sort of setting the bar for him, it's always been very very low anyway. Um, Tuchel had is playing so such good football. I think that sort of towards the end of sort of just after Lampard left towards the end of that season, it was very impressive, and then. It sort of tailed off in that second season from the beginning as well, like after Christmas. So we were we were top at Christmas, weren't we? Uh, or yeah. top in December. And then I think we were like mid-table if you did the table from like January or something. Yeah. So I, I mean, lots of reasons for that. Obviously, the World Club Championship, Lukaku's interview, lots of injuries. We we obviously had a bench of five outfield players against Wolves and were forced to play the game two days before going to South. We went deep in two cups as well. And that affected us because we had to spread the games as well with injuries, etc. Yeah, obviously making two cup finals, which, you know, we don't have to worry about that this year. We're out of the FA Cup. And the cup <laughs> I used the to like moaning about losing pen- finals and penalties. I won't be moaning about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think the interesting thing is, I think I said to you guys uh, the other day, was um, the expectation that people have around what the what the norm is for like bad performance and therefore then like being sacked is being tested because people are at that stage now with him just kind of suggests that most people would say that like you sort of said before when you perform at with you know at this level with the resources and your output is this then you're usually going to lose your job the fact that he hasn't is really interesting because it's sort of breaking a barrier of what people are assuming should happen and I kind of feel like we've never really gone down this road ever before because people are usually sacked at this point so I'm kind of interested to see what happens next because we've never really experienced it um, and I do I do like the alignment between the ownership and the manager and the fact that decisions are being made together 
they're backing him even though he's been very, very poor in terms of results. Um, do, you, so, do you think the reason they're not sacking him is to do with the fact that they've got to pay him a lot of money in compensation if he gets sacked? And also maybe. to do with the fact that he's yeah. potentially... a. a one of the reasons he was hired was that he's a yes man for for them. You know, he's a he's not a guy that stands out as someone who's going to really stick his oar in or or you know say too much or or really put his foot down when he needs to. You know, is he just a, is he just a yes man for Bowley and that's why why they've got him in? Yeah, potentially. I mean, you could you could play it both ways. You could say, or oh, they like actually believe in what he's doing, and they have there are circumstances that maybe they think are due to the performance that we don't see. So I think it's it's interesting to see how it's going to play out. Like I, I think on Saturday when I left the game, I was sort of thinking that was the moment to really turn the fans on his side because he was kind of losing them. And I think he lost quite a lot of them on Saturday. And it is that kind of, if he sat, I don't think people would be too bothered. Um, and people have kind of lost interest. I think that do, was my... Do you know a single fan that... that likes him i'm not talking about would be bothered or believes in the the project or whatever do you know a single fan that you've met in and around the grounds or we see we know a lot of chelsea fans that actually think oh i really i've really liked this guy i would put it this way i don't think he ever won the fans to lose them if that makes sense yeah i don't think yeah we've been very um simon johnson the athletic podcast listened to this morning like there was kind of like a polite sort of silence for potter there was like sort of this silence and then they exploded into rage on saturday there's been no, and obviously I alluded before about the Kukurea booing, and maybe that was a bit deflected. And it's just sort of been, you know, we think he's a good manager. There's been this sort of recognition that, like, we'd prefer to have Tuchel, but, you know, we've got all these new players. I think also the new players have helped. Like, if we weren't getting lots of new players and lots of excitement about that, it would have come earlier. But it's definitely been a sort of politeness towards him and a bit of a lot of patience, but. It just ran out really, really fast on Saturday. I think it was just a step too far for a lot of fans on Saturday. And has he all... made any effort to to make a connection with the fans, Potter? I don't think he has. I don't think it's in his nature, though. I mean, I mean, it's. He... I wouldn't say that. I'd, I'd say he hasn't. I, I don't think he's had much to shout about. Like, sure, yeah. He do, he doesn't really like you can. There was that moment in that West Ham game where Havertz scored, and I know he's slightly offside. And you saw it, it was almost like relief. Yeah, fist pump, and I yeah. felt like if he had won that game, he, you know, he's just waiting for that moment. And I, it's just, no, it's he's just waiting, waiting, waiting for a goal. We all are. Yeah, but that's it. He's the same as us, right? He's waiting for the goal. I think he's been quite reserved. And he's yeah, kind of we waiting. We can't do anything about it. That's the thing. Yeah, it's but just... that's not the point. He's, and what I'm saying is he's, he's waiting for that moment and it's just never come from, I don't think, where he's... It, if you remember that... Um, Conte moment when it, we were drawing one all with West Ham at home and then Costa scored in the very last Yeah, minute. I remember that one, yeah. Two that one. was like his moment and then he just started jumping. You know, that was that his was moment. That was the first home game of the season though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, this is what, what if we'd drawn the game? People would have been leaving the game moaning. I think and you would have been jumping up in the next game, to be honest. Because was <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> but what he, I'm saying is moments he's, at never the start had that, he's never had that moment to like, maybe the, even the Milan game at home He's, he's well, that was really his chance taken... to go round like yeah. Conte did, and and go round and really rile the fans up after the game, like sprint up into the shed end or the Matthew Harding, give us a little fist pump, give us something. Yeah, that was his chance to do that. So that's what we're saying: is as he made any effort to actually bond with the fans, even in in his good moments, which he did have some at the start, even though in my opinion the performances were were quite bad. Still, the results were there at the start. 
um, to an extent. Um, you know, the, for me, you know, it's a it's a lack of effort to to bond with the fans. And in my opinion, the manager is the biggest link between the fans and the players. You know, the fans actually ha- that, that attend the matches have we have no say on what actually occurs on the pitch. We can cheer and and whatever and get behind the the players, but we actually have no say to what goes on the pitch. We don't speak to the players. We have absolutely no interaction with them whatsoever. So our link to the players is through the manager. And if we don't feel like he's one of us or he's something you you can relate to, then that is a real issue in the ground. And I feel that that's something that, that is happening at Chelsea right now with Potter. He, it doesn't feel like he is, is one of us. It doesn't feel like he's a Chelsea manager. He He doesn't feel like he's a fan, does it? No. Well, you've gone from one extreme to the other. You've got someone who was like steering the ship when we literally couldn't get a plane for a Champions League game and talking about getting a seven-seater. You know, he would drive himself in Tuchel. And you've got Potter. I think, I think as, as Chelsea fans, we've got to stop trying to like compare Potter to Tuchel because it's, like, it's just going to drive you insane. Not from a football point of view, just from a connection point of view. Just the guy who just, we, he just... He just slotted into Chelsea and that's why it was a bit of a tragedy when he left because he knew he'd left too early and whatever happened behind the scenes but like we just miss that so if we went from like a sari to potter it wouldn't be as bad you know because it's like kind of similar not really much connection but you've gone from one extreme to the other and that's yeah. that's kind of maybe not potter's fault i suppose but like i, I actually think the fans have been really really patient oh potter. yeah i think we said in the last pod as well i think the yeah. fans have been un- unreal getting behind the team the only let's, obviously let's, yeah let's talk about the positives um that if there are any, I mean, there, there's a few you'd, you'd argue. I mean, we've missed, I mean, it's not really a positive, but we have created the second most big chances, in essence, missed the second most big chances um, in the league. And we've conceded the second fewest goals in the league, which is a real shock to, to, to hear crazy, that because crazy. it doesn't quite make sense. But when you look at the underlying stats, it is the goals that is the clear issue and the creation of them. Behind that doesn't seem to be a as bigger issue that you'd expect for a team that's not performing that well. But no. but it's about balance, right? At the end of the day, like obviously you've got the the second um, fewest goals <clears throat> conceded in the league, but you know you're not scoring goals. In order to to score more goals, you need to put more in forward, and in order to do that, you're probably going to give up more goals. So it is a balance. It's not like oh we've got the second best defense in the league. Now all we need to do is just add the goals because that goes hand in hand. So. I'm not, not sort of relying on that and thinking that it's a, an easy turnaround. Well, it could be. And we definitely need to look at the attacking sort of performance. I mean, in terms of sort of the direction of travel for the end of season, assuming that Potter's going to stay with us um, and we're sort of the key is sort of expectation management, where in the league, what in the Champions League does he need to do to, to sort of cement himself as a, to be a good job done? I mean, I, th- I, th- I think this season's, <laughs> right. this season's a complete write-off. I mean, the board are obviously going to back in for th- as long as we don't get go down. I mean, it's that at the moment we're at the rate to get forty-three points. If he finishes, to- I'll give you an example. If he finishes sixth and he goes to the Champions League final. Not saying he will, but what 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 is that then? Well, that'd be amazing, but that's yep. I, I don't see that happening. I mean, I think that, that would be a huge success. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, that would be a huge. Success. There is there, there is a there is a scenario where he can he can achieve success still relative to what he had at the beginning, I guess. But 
So there is an opportunity for him to potentially get out of the mess he's created. I think ground zero for Graham Potter starts next next season, basically, because he's going to have a preseason. He'll have no excuses. We're going to have to chop, obviously, or probably seven or eight players. I mean, the thing you've got to have some Twelve sympathy players, for. I think. Yeah, I mean, you've got to have some sympathy for him. He has got a ridiculously large squad. So the, 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 let's be honest. He's been handed the keys to the city in a way. But like we've given everything he's wanted, players, etc. His own staff, uh, Vivell in the background, Win Stanley in the background, everyone. McCauley, he's a kind of right hand man. But he has got players who don't want to, he, he, who know they won't be there, and who know he's not going to play. So it is a very difficult situation for him at the moment. I think we just have to essentially get through this season. I haven't heard much about. I mean, we, we talk about Aubameyang. They probably don't want him there for whatever reason. Um, but the Pulisic news this week that he was, they would have sold him off had he not been injured. And obviously Ziyech, who was essentially sold off but came back. Hmm. Um, so that that is not easy to deal with in itself. And there are players there who clearly don't want to stay, which we knew under Tuchel at that point anyway, after the summer. I mean... Uh, I just wondering what you think. There was like an article by Matt Law this year, uh, this, this this week, and basically he he listed five reasons why he thinks they're still he's still in the job. I just want to go through it first. Apparently, obviously the the outrage from Southampton. We could talk about Southampton in a minute. Was that like James and Silver didn't play? Apparently, he was advised by the medical department that they shouldn't play. So, can I just speak say something quickly about that? I yeah. I, I really hate the concept of having a separate medical department to the manager that just he just listens to the medical department yeah, because yeah. obviously the issue with that is the medical department have absolutely nothing to answer to in terms of the results that happen on the pitch yeah the medical department have a responsibility to protect the players from getting injuries but obviously there's an element of risk to in of injury in any game that any player will play it's just a percentage risk according to their department so they're at free roll to nothing to just say, yeah, I wouldn't play Reese James. He might get injured. Or Thiago Silva, he might get injured in the next game. It's not costing them anything. So there's no actual risk associated with them, you know, as a medical department to, to say that. So I don't like the idea of, you know, getting that and taking that as gospel in terms of medical department information because they're always going to play on the cautious side yeah. in order to, to look good themselves. Because obviously if you play a player and he gets injured, you look at the medical department and say, well, hang on, you said he was you know, pretty much good to go. Now he's got injured. Whereas on the flip side of that, obviously, you know, Potter's lost his two best players for Southampton at home. And, you know, we're not sat here blaming the medical department, are we? So, you know, no. Potter's the one getting blamed. Yeah, I mean, and just, I won't go over every point, but basically they, it touches on that they, they see Potter as like, you know, they feel like sh- short-term pain for long-term gain. And they actually, with a bit of a, kind of thought a bizarre point or a talking point was that he was brave for taking the job because he left, you know, he basically was like the king of Brighton, left his throne to come to Chelsea. I thought that was, a, and like, he should be given time. I mean, it's a bit of a bizarre one when the last guy who came in halfway through the season won us to the Champions League that year. So it's just, I think, for Potter, it's just like, there's a lot that, hang on one sec. Let me get, um, you, you, there's obviously a lot of, circumstances but at the same time a lot of excuses going around it's just kind of what side of the line you find that yourself on and i think most chelsea fans at the moment find the side themselves on the side that like it's just too many excuses and performances are just going to improve a lot 
absolutely. And um, I mean, we can we can look at the the performance that we we had on um, on Saturday against Southampton. Um, we can we can have a look at what what went on there. It was a game where we had sixty one percent possession, seventeen shots, four on target, one and a half xG, and obviously <laughs> no goals naturally. Um, how did you see it, Brady? I mean, when you look, I mean, when you didn't know about the 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 um, the, the injuries and the resting and the medical department stuff, it, it looked like a very sort of like cocky lineup to me, like where he thought, I, in Chelsea fans' minds, this was like a must, must, must win for Potter, and you know, you can talk about the medical department all you want, but basically, it looked like a risky lineup. He played Mount left wing. He threw in Fafana up front, and I know he played well for 45 minutes, and it was like controversial that he came off. But it was a very, very risky lineup. And, you know, playing uh, Koulibaly and Badia Shield together for the first time, and Badia Shield, I think, missed Silva because obviously he had a bit of a shaky first 20 minutes. I mean, Aspie, I just want to give a tribute to Aspie, obviously, like a warrior. We hope, we hope he's doing well in his recovery, um, you know, Chelsea legend. But he gave away the free kick for James Ward Prowse, and at right back, He's just not really playable from the start at the moment. We can't wait for the guy from Leon to come in. So it was just it was a risky lineup, and you know it sh- it showed in the result and the performance for me in the first half, anyway. Yeah, the first half definitely felt very disorganised. Um, <laughs> the first half was it was genuine. I think you know we go to the games, Chris, with our, with our dad. I mean, he he said he hasn't seen anything as bad as that for a long, long time. I was the worst in Potter's tenure, right? I mean, pretty easy, I think. I mean, it's the worst I've seen for a long, long, long time, you know, even predating, maybe going back to AVB. I mean, I don't even know. That was It was a 0.07 XG, I believe, in the first 40 minutes. I mean, what we were watching for the first 40 minutes of the game before that Felix header was, was just, yeah. The, I just think that was like an Aspie shot against the side netting, if you remember. It's like, God, in 40 minutes, we created that. <laughs> Like yeah, well, I don't know why he didn't cross it anyway. I don't know why he didn't cross it. That was such a bizarre... We love him anyway, but it's because he's Such a bizarre he's, choice. He's, he's getting on a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a good game, did he? No, he didn't. Um, yeah, what was the... I guess, if we look at the sort of first half, um, very poor, very disorganised. What's going on with the pressing? He spoke... Uh, there was no pressing at the beginning, and he sort of talked about a pressing structure. Southampton were there for the pressing, for the for the pressing. You know, they where's it gone? <laughs> they, they were pressing us, yeah. <laughs> Where where's it gone? What happened? Although I I looked at this. I don't have any pressing stats actually. Um but I do have tackles in the last third, in the attacking third. And you wouldn't believe it, but Chelsea is second in the Premier League for tackles in the attacking third. That doesn't make any. That doesn't make any sense because we were and um, we were what fourth, fifth last season with eighty five. We got seventy four already. It just doesn't feel. <laughs> all these stats don't feel real. Yeah. Like how? Where are we doing that? When uh, you watch the game on Saturday, and we're just watching them pass the ball about Southampton for long periods of the game. Yeah, we we drop into this sort of horrible four four two mid block when we're out of possession and and we don't win it with our original sort of counter press. I hate I hate how deep we play. We, the first half, and, and to be fair to Potter, the second game in a row, I think he's improved things at halftime. But we were so, so deep in that first half. 
just for no reason as well. They offer absolutely nothing. Southampton at the top end of the pitch in terms of pace and ability to get in behind. They started with a six foot eight giant up top. Um, he was huge, wasn't he? He was absolutely. I couldn't he, believe in real it. Life, he looked ridiculous. Yeah, because ba- I know Baddy is like he's from WWE or something. Yeah, it's absurd. Yes, yeah, uh, size. Um, I thought and, they'd and start they, with a basketball player up top, <laughs> and they they put him at the back post against Chilwell a few times, trying to get that sort of as a disadvantage. They actually almost scored a goal from it. Um, as well but the easiest way to counter that in terms of balls into the box where we can't match up with the the striker is just to push up the pitch and play higher and we were so reluctant to do that and i'm just i i i'm baffled by the way we drop into this shape so deep into a lot of games Uh, for you know you can understand in some games teams offer things in behind you know good teams can obviously really really exploit that against this is bottom of the league we're playing at home we need to be playing so much higher in games like this and really forcing them to do something good like play something in behind what what did you make of um obviously they scored from the free kick um in the first half a a really nice free kick um what do we make of the goal from Southampton? we're happy with what kepper was doing between the sticks for that one well i thought kepper made two really good saves in the game actually um that weren't um from the free kick. Obviously the free kick, I think James Ward Prowse is just you just have to accept that he is a really good free kick taker. And yeah, it was a tough one. I mean, I don't think you can really blame him, especially like I said, when he made two other really good saves in the game. So yeah. I mean I, the, I think the worst error was like giving the foul away and the literally the if like Ward Prowse wanted to place it somewhere when he was practicing he placed it literally there. So it's just we just gave it away in like the uh in the wrong area. I don't from a bit of a, another tactical standpoint, their manager, Ruben Sellers, had a turtleneck on. So I think Potter's got to learn from that. <laughs> he he wore the turtleneck. And I, and also another thing. He out turtleneck Potter. Yeah, and so he doesn't wear he hasn't worn a turtleneck for ages. He wears the kind of shirt with that sort of uh, Pep Guardiola jumper. He's got to stop that. Someone's got someone McCauley or somebody in there, they've got to get in and go turtleneck and we'll start winning again. I think that goes hand in hand with his team selection, right? He's just too laid back with the team selection and then with the outfit as well, too laid back. Yeah, when he starts wearing a Chelsea coat, you know we're going to get peppered 4-0. But, uh, <laughs> but like, in, in terms of the second half, like, I thought the second half was obviously a lot more positive and, like, I think Sterling made a big influence. Like, I don't think, you know, he just was busy. I think he was, he looked like a senior player. He got on the ball. He wasn't scared to get on the ball. He could tell we'd been in this sort of situation before with City where they'd been behind. He was calm. And I want to talk about Kai a little bit. I thought Kai, I mean, this is probably not going to that. I thought he had a very good influence on the game. I think he was similar to Sterling. I mean, he got on the ball. He, he actually drove the ball a little bit. Um, he, he, could, he really should have had two assists for Sterling. And um, I thought Kai was a good influence, but maybe a bit of pressure off his shoulders coming on. But I thought he was good. And when when Sterling and Kai came on, I thought we looked a lot better. And obviously, we could have easily had two goals. But um, and our chance conversion of us obviously terrible. But it was just too little, too late. And um, I think also a big factor in the game was like Aspie's injury, like definitely um, halted our momentum quite a lot. So I think we were like gaining quite a lot of momentum, and the injury did not help. I'm not saying we would have got an equaliser, but I didn't think that had an effect. But you know, like chasing the game against Southampton with ten minutes to go is like unacceptable either way. So I'm not making excuses, but yeah, it's uh, second half was definitely better when Sterling came on. Well, you'll be happy to know that um, Havertz managed 
two two well th- he attempted three take-ons and was successful oh. in two of them so well, a very good rival roman perro was there <laughs> he, had to, he had to show off in front of him <laughs> How, do we have the perro take-on stats or not something we looked up Perro's take on stats. Um, <laughs> he was too busy clearing up. He made up any he, ground. He, att- he attempted none, and uh, so therefore he he, su- he succeeded in none. So. Okay. So he joked that like yeah. I don't know if you saw Madueke absolutely took Perro out in the first half, and I bet Havertz was going to take him out, take him out. I thought there were a few, um, despite the I've, despite the tactics and um, general setup. I thought there were still some underperformers. In the game, um, I actually completely forgot that Mason Mount was on the pitch. I mean, I, I actually had to go back and check that he was playing. <laughs> so I think I, I mean, think we should have a, a conversation on, on Mason Mount. Um, obviously, he was played out of position in this game. He's not a left winger in a four-two-three-one. Let's let's no. first of all say that to him. He, he, in all fairness, it's not his position. He's got absolutely moved around the pitch by Potter. In his tenure, he's played eight, ten, left wing. He played false nine for a bit in the second half uh, against Southampton when they, they had a change before Havertz came on. I mean, he, he's been moved about and asked to do a lot of different things. Um, nevertheless, he is still playing incredibly poorly. Another really, really bad game um, on on Saturday. Would you say, with his contract talks... Stalling potentially. Um, well, they have st- they have stalled until the summer now, definitely. You know, yeah. is it a reality now that we could see Mason Mount play for another team? I think it's fifty fifty at the moment. I think it's a real possibility. Wow. Yeah. What, what do you think? Depends, maybe it depends what happens with Felix. Obviously, and Cuckoo's come in, but it will come in in the summer. But maybe it depends what happens with Felix. I don't see a position for him if and Cuckoo and Felix are there. It, Apparently, it, the big thing is the contract length. So they want to time down on a seven-year deal, and obviously, English players are really not used to that. So I think it's actually it's not the money; it's the contract length. I think he wants. I think how old is Mace? Is he um, twenty-three, twenty-four, something like that? But like they want to time down to he's like over thirty, and it like obviously naturally doesn't want that. And I think this is like the last summer, right? That they can do these long contracts, so they're trying to get Mason before like the the gate shuts on that. So apparently his contract length, which is fair enough in his in his in his case, I suppose, but apparently talks have not been going well at all. So it's um they might they might just try and get a fee for him because they're not going to let his contract run down like Rudiger and Christensen because they were fuming about that inheriting that. So yeah, it, I think it's really fifty fifty actually, which is crazy to, to think about. Yes, yeah, it'd be weird if he wasn't playing for Chelsea. That's yeah, imagine just, it would feel a different shirt. Yeah, I mean that would be would be very strange. But at the same time, you you can't really. I don't know. It, it feels like it, it really could happen, and it, it it feels like also you can't really blame the owners if they're offering him a contract that they feel like it's their his value, and, and he's not accepting it, especially on a long term deal. Yeah. And yeah, they're kind of they're kind of put into a corner. If we talk about like obviously just XG for a little while, just in terms of like the game, like we've in the last since the World Cup, we've actually accumulated um, twelve point six XG in over nine games, which is not terrible, but we've only saw six goals. And, you know, I, w- I want to talk a little bit about Aubameyang. I mean, I mean, I know um, Fafana started, but what do we think about the Aubameyang situation? Because obviously, I don't know if you heard, the, did you guys hear the presser afterwards where Potter was asked about Aubameyang and obviously just gave like, a political answer and said he's training well. And like, the, the journalist was like, what does he have to do to get even on the bench? 
It's like, why wouldn't you have a Bamiang on the bench on, on, on Saturday? I don't really understand. I don't know what you're... I know, Chris, you're not his biggest fan, but I think it's a bit of a crazy situation where we've got, a, we've got players in the team now who can create chances for the guy and he's getting nowhere near the team. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that. I think, I think it's similar to Jorginho in that sense that they, they don't really see him as a, a long-term player of, you know, he's going to be at the club. So probably don't feel the need to invest too much time in him. Like, it makes more sense to try and give Havertz and Fafana time, even if they're not as good. At least they get game time. Maybe push their price up if you're looking to sell Havertz, for example. What are you going to do with Aubameyang? He's sure he can score. You're going to maybe put him on the pitch and maybe he'll put some chances away. He wasn't that (laughs) good when he played. Like, he wasn't exactly like scoring two or three goals a game. We weren't creating any chances for him then. Now we've got, like, chance create heaven. We've got Felix, Medueke, uh, Sterling, everyone. And uh, so I just think he's always been a player that doesn't press as well, and that's always gone against him in the modern game. But you have to have him maybe on the bench or something like that. I mean... We don't press anyway, so it won't be an issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like we're pressing monsters anyway. He'll fit right in. We don't... Yeah, I guess, like, having him on the bench is... I, I don't, you know, have him on the bench, definitely. But... I just don't see him in the plans. And I think I said last week about playing Fafana, it just makes more sense if you're going to try and keep Fafana on to give him more minutes over Bamiang. I've, I've alluded to this before. Like, Fafana did well and he's a good player and he's, I think he'd be a good Chelsea player, but he probably should be on loan in any other context. The only reason yeah, he's getting the game... Because... I do think it's crazy to, to have sort of a 19-year-old that we've signed from the Norwegian league getting a start ahead of... You know, yeah. a guy that, that was playing for Barcelona last year, he scored 11 goals in 17 games for them. He, he revived his career after, bit, you know, falling out with Arteta. And, you know, a lot of p- people were excited or, or thought that he could do a good job for us this yeah. season, at least a good role for us and score some goals. So it is baffling to me what's going on with him. And again, this sort of alludes or tr- brings me back to a point I was making about that there is rumours that that was... Bowley's sort of decision to not include Bamiyang in the squad. I know he wanted him to go to LAFC, which is a um, a team that he has ties to. I'm not sure if he owns them or whether he uh, he th- th- he has some sort of ties with LAFC. So I know he wanted him to go there, and whether this is something that Potter's just said yes to. It's like, yeah, I won't play him, and we'll try and get him to LAFC or or, or something that goes along like those lines. And if you watch the presser again, the post-match pressure, Potter was very uncomfortable in the answer. You could tell there's something going on because he was basically like, the journalist was like, you know, look, like, why is he on the bench? He, like, he's training well. He's not a bad influence at all. And Potter was like, just got that kind of bang. Just got to keep working hard and maybe it'll come for him. It's just like, it's crazy, really. But there's obviously something going on. But when we've like got one goal in the last five games, all comps, and we've got seven, I think it's eight XG, we need a goal scorer. And we don't have one at the moment. We can't rely on Kai and you can't rely on Fafana. And Felix has not traditionally been a big goal scorer in his career either. So where are the goals going to come from? And it's not easy to go and buy like a... Obviously, we're after Osiman. It's like we can't just buy all these... Like These players might not come. Like Maybe you've got to use the players that we have a little bit rather than going, oh, in the future, in the future. Right now, we're terrible. So put the guy on the pitch and try and get some goals. We've played 23 guy- games... 23 goals at four, 23 against. The guy's consistent in that way. <laughs> I mean, Symmetry. do you know how many goals we scored at the same time last season on the two court? Must have been about 46. 48. Oh. 
it's it's pitiful the the attack. So you you might as well get that that guy we saw that June Bell or what that guy that guy we saw for Tottenham get him back get anyone back. It's just like having a lot of things that Todd Bowley and clear they could do for this club. You know the behind the scenes. I think they're going obviously going to rebuild the bridge. They're going to a lot of good things. They need to realize that it's like it's a little bit like oh. You know, ask some, ask some Potter. We're, we're going to make the the the, uh, the club good again. You need to appease the fans a little bit. If we lose to Tottenham, Potter is in deep, deep trouble with the fans, and he might not ever get the fans back. So you need to put someone on the pitch who can put the ball in the back of the net. And Abamian got eleven goals in seventeen games last year for a Barca. He rebuilt his career, and now we just iced him when we can't score any goals. It makes zero sense. I don't care about the structure of the team. Or the future, we need to score some goals. Simple for me. Can't get any worse, Chris, for me. So put him on the pitch. At least put him on the bench. Let's see what happens. That was my little rant. If you didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about the players uh, who are playing potentially. Um, the temperature checks. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one this week. Um, so this is a section of our pub we take. I think we've, just, we, we've just eliminated the boiling hot section this week, right? So we'll no, do. I've, I've got a boiling hot, but it's not. A wait, 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 wait. We'll wait, bring wait. the freezer back because we we got rid of the freezer last last week for we Kai. We... No, we didn't get rid of it. We just added the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we don't fridge. need the fridge anymore. So we'll go freezing, warming up, and boiling. then. Well, I've got. How about warming I've got up freezer, again? I've got freezer, tepid, and warming up. I've I've got I've actually got a freezing warming up boiling hot boys so I can do that. I'm I'm going freezer tepid warming up. Okay, right, Chris, what are your temps this week? All right, I'll I'll go first. So in the freezer, <laughs> Graham Potter, welcome to the freezer, pal. <laughs> he was um, my, he was in the freezer last week for me. He could be in the freezer for everyone. Uh, yeah, not not good. I've had him um, freezing for a week longer than you. So what it all could have been a Bamyang in there, isn't it? It's conversation wise. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't rate the first half. I thought it was one of the worst I've seen in a long time. And the second half was just, you know, a lot of energy, but never really enough for me. Um, so yeah, not not in a good way. Bad results, but there's always a chance to turn things around in football. So best of luck to him. Um, tepid for me. Wes, Wesley Fafana. Yeah, I looked, think he, I think he played well against. Uh, he looks, looks all right. He was, good. he was definitely good. Yeah. Yeah. Um he yeah, he showed a little bit of uh some good pace, looked fit, which is I think what I didn't really I just didn't get that impression from him impression from him when he kind of first played at the beginning. Maybe that's why he looked uh he got himself injured, but he looked really fit and he looked like he was um he was up for it and yeah, I was impressed. Um warming up, I've gone for the other Fafana. I thought David Datro Fafana was Looking pretty handy. Um, yeah, hooked at half time. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly subbed. I could not believe he was taken off. He was the only player. It's so bizarre. I mean, two, two shots, one on target, two out of three successful take ons, one tackle, one block, five ball recoveries. And he was whipped off. He was like one of the best attackers and midfielders, basically, on the pitch. That's what you pay 12 million a year for to the manager. I just couldn't believe it. But like, I, I, you know, I called for him to play last week and. I wasn't just, you know, I don't think I was let down. I thought he, he gave a really good show and I hope we see more of him. Um, yeah, he definitely deserved like another like, 20, 25 minutes in the second half. And if we, you know, yeah. I think 
if we kept him on and took Mount off, who knows what would have happened. But yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah, so. I felt Mount was the player who should have maybe been sacrificed. Um, that's, I mean, because he played 63 minutes, Mount. So yeah. Anyway, it was, uh, yeah, no boiling hots. But uh, yeah, some, some positive signs for some individuals for sure. Craig, you want to go next? Sure. I'll, easy one for the freezer for me. Um, sorry, but Mason Mount, it's time for you to be in the freezer. It, it's 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 tough to watch out there for for him at the moment. He's I, I love Mason Mount, but it's 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 and maybe like I said earlier, uh, alluded towards the position changes or something. But he's not right at the moment. He, he's working hard. He, he's really trying his best. You can see when he's out there that he he really is trying to change things with his own sort of personal effort on the pitch. But with the ball, it's just not falling for him at all at the moment. He's you know, no creativity, miscontrolling the ball. We, we we play this strategy where we like the centre-backs to play these long vertical passes into the 10 spots. So Felix, when Mount comes inside a bit, um, Madueke as well, but more so Felix and Mount on, on Saturday. So many times miscontrolling the ball in, in those positions. He's just He's just not at it at all at the moment, Mason. Uh, I feel for him, but um, yeah, I'm, and I'm sorry, but he's in the freezer. Um, <laughs> warming up. Um, is warming up better than <laughs> tepid or not? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. No, no, tepid is like like meat, like okay, like on the line, basically. Like it's okay, slightly I'll, warm, but not okay. I'll, I'll go tepid. I'm going with uh, Kai Havertz. I thought he came wow. on and looked really, really lively against Southampton. On, he's got to be uh, in the fridge, isn't he? He's out of the freezer into Stephanie. I'm going to sound by this, Craig, and you're, I'm going to hear you saying nice things about Havertz when you're <laughs> well, fuminating next week again. Well, he's going to start against Tottenham on Sunday, so uh, yeah. I'm trying to build it. Hopefully he tunes in, and I'm trying to hype him up a bit. Like, let's go. You know, you, I've taken you out of the freezer, and, and you're tepid already. You, you know, you're, <laughs> you're at that spot now where, yeah, I thought he impacted the game when he came on. Um, he was one of two players. The other one's going to be in my warming up section, but I thought he was one of two players that really impacted the game. Um, and, and yeah, hopefully a performance that he builds on um, against Spurs on Sunday. W- warming up. He, he had um, he had 0.7 um, expected assists. Obviously most of that, I guess, would have been Sterling. Sterling. Sterling was brilliant. That yeah. cross was, yeah, it was a really good cross. Oh, that was so unlucky, wasn't it? He shoved the defender off, showed a bit of strength and in like perfect cross. So yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Oh. Um, yeah. And, and he's in my warming up section is Raheem Sterling. Thought he was absolutely fantastic on Saturday. The one, the one player that could leave that pitch holding his head up high because he really made it work for us in 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 the second half. Positivity on the ball, driving runs. Thought he was in the box. Great movement. Um, you know that one, the little bursting run, and then the one-two with Havertz. So unlucky that that shot went straight at the defender. Uh, probably, maybe could have finished it a bit better, but also, also some bad luck in there as well. And then also the movement you watch for that Havertz cross where he, he drops to the back post and, and Havertz picks him out. Very brave as well to get in there with a diving header and, and also the rebound. He was sharp, picked it up and, and got deflected over. He's very, very unlucky to not contribute with a goal or assist on, on Saturday. I thought he was, was electric when he came on and showed us what we've been missing really because we look back you know he's he's a player that can emerge for us as a leader um yeah, for this definitely. team um he's a, he's an older player he's a winner 
He's won a lot in his career and he's a goal scorer as well. He scored a lot of goals in the Premier League consistently, season after season after season. Um, he, you know, he's got elite movement in that last third and he is the perfect player to play alongside a Jao Felix um, from that right or left wing cutting in because he makes great runs in behind. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking really looking forward to seeing him uh, moving forward and, and a well-deserved warming up. Yeah, I think he uh, he showed what he's sort of he's good at, and that's you know his movement around having good players around him, which we saw at City. And I think with Felix, like you said, and we hope Mudrick if he ever turns up, um, and maybe Havertz, who seems to be warming up, um, maybe we'll get some good chances for him to hopefully score. He had point nine xg on. Um, on Saturday, um, unfortunately, not to score for sure. What have you got, Brady? Right, freezing. I've got Graham Potter's media training advisor. <laughs> he needs to sharpen up sharpish on his like pressers because he's not impressing me in the pressers at all. And I, that's a bit of a bit of a t- tongue twister. But I mean, even on the Lampard, you know, we'd, we'd have a stinker under Lampard and he'd come out and he'd talk a bit of sense and go, no, I'll improve it, I'll do this. Tuchel was always one for like, you know, like, uh, I got the tactics wrong. Potter is just like, they're human beings. We'll try harder. Uh, um, you know, we had to rotate, blah, blah, blah. I need, well, I need more. It is what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. That is in the freezer. You need to sack him and get another one, even the freezer. So that's it's a, me- that. it's a media advisor. I don't know what you called it. Someone who's trained like, Yeah, I, I'm, I know what you're saying. PR, like PR. Yeah, yeah PR advisor, whatever. He's Someone who's yeah. him how to talk to the press. Because it looks like he's a, like a farmer being interviewed by the news at the moment. I mean, we're, we're saying this is a semi-joke, but I do think that this is all part of the job, a big job, yeah. isn't it? That is all, this is all part of the job. Connection with fans, uh, uh, you know, a new fan base, media training, connection with the media, putting yourself out there, PR. Like, he's had the glam up, you know, with the... With he had the glam up, but that's slipped off now. So he stopped that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was a good move as well. You know, these are all things. You know, sometimes in life, perception is more important than reality, and, and he does a very poor job of portraying himself. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, for Tepid, I didn't know we we're gonna have Tepid, but I'll just quickly just uh, put it. I'm gonna put Mudrick. Mudrick's been a bit Tepid. He had a really good start to his Chelsea career. I know he's not really. I know he doesn't look fit, but we need him to get fired up because he is something that can. Some of the really scared defenses. And we need him to get going. He's at the moment. He's you can see the pace, but the end the end product is not there. He's stumbling on the ball. He's not doing even end product's not very good. And he had a volley at the end of the game that just went wide. But Tepis Mudrik, I've got a lot of faith in in Mudrik. I think he's going to come good. I don't think it's going to be a flop at all. Which I know some people, some Arsenal fans are already asking me like, oh, Mudrik's not doing very well. But I think they're he's dreaming gonna, that he will be. Yeah. yeah. How, how, how's Mudrik getting on anyway? Nothing about Arsenal fans. But um, yeah. Um, didn't he? Um, didn't he have? Didn't he break a record on Saturday for like giveaways? I think yeah, he gave away the ball twenty times out of yeah. forty, which is like a Premier League. You're going to that for he's, he's going to be a frustrating watch sometimes, but like he's going to also score that goal that he scored away at Celtic this year. Just like basically ran the whole length of the pitch and bang it top corner. Like I can see him having that. He's just got that in his locker, and like that Liverpool, that Liverpool cameo. Although it was a few games ago, he, he had me hooked because it was Hazard vibes. It was 
looking dangerous. And he can, even against Dortmund, I think he was, there was a few breakaways in the first half. If he was sharper, I think he would have been in on goal. Oh, he got so unlucky with one uh, where it sort of just got stuck under his feet. And yeah, yeah. And made some amazing stretch tackle that was yeah, like, yeah. he was a little unlucky in that. I, I will say that he's, he's got a great matchup on. Sunday against Emerson Royale, most likely. Ooh, Emerson Royale um, in good form, but <laughs> he he's no good. Emerson Royale, I promise you that. Yeah, uh, and, day, but and, and Mudrick, Mudrick can definitely take advantage of that matchup for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think one v one defending for Emerson Royale. I don't think I rate him that much. Um, and Mudrick, maybe his his boot should be in the freezer. I mean, he's slipping over every five seconds when he when he's on. He needs to get some studs sorted or something. Um, he's always on the precipice of doing something. He's either miscontrolling it, he slips over, someone just gets a tackling on him. So we just need it all to go a little bit right for him. But yeah, I think he's going to be exciting. Good word. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think he's going to be exciting. So uh, we're just waiting for it to all kind of kick off. All those. I, think, I think a pre-season will really help him settle in the country, have proper pre-season, get fit. I think next year he could really fire for us. So really excited about Midrick. Um, with warming up, I just had to steal Craig Sterling. I mean, it wasn't really any left. It was Fafana. One of the Fafanas was Sterling. I mean, Sterling is like, I think he's going to be, not a forgotten man, but it's like he's, because he was in that first group of signings under Tuchel, I think he's going to be really be like such a pivotal player for us. And he can be a leader and maybe he can be made vice captain or something like that. I mean, I know that sounds mad, but he is a really, he's been there and done it all with City. I mean, I know he's got this and like he misses chances and things like that, but I think he's a goal assist per minute. So still probably the best out of our attackers, which isn't saying much. And he hasn't he hasn't had a good season at all. So I'm really hoping that Raheem Sterling can, like, you know, um, hopefully he can play in a second leg against Dortmund. That can make a big difference because we probably need two goals in that game. And two goals at the moment looks like a, like a miracle. So, uh, yeah. And uh, finally, boiling hot. Um, boiling hot? Boiling hot. It's the Chelsea fans. We have got steam coming out of our ears at the moment. <laughs> we are fuming. We are... You know, we are absolutely boiling with rage at the, what's going on. We're trying to keep it down and not keep this podcast, you know, Chelsea, um, you know, Arsenal fan TV. We're trying to keep it civil and XG and all that, but we are fuming. And you saw that at the end of the game. And yeah, I mean, you- it, was, it was toxic coming yeah, out of that stadium on Saturday. Yeah. There were so many things being shouted. I, I know Potter felt it a bit at the end of the game when Aspie was down. With the injury, there was a lot of things being shouted at him from the East End. I know that even got mentioned in the post-match presser. Um, and the guy that we saw at the pub uh, after the game, he was sat in the East End. But he mentioned that to me before I'd even heard the presser. So the guy shouted down and Reese James and Potter looked up and said, you know, chat, talk to your players. You know, really getting on Potter's back. Where you, yeah. and, and you know what it's like at Chelsea. The, the stands are really close to the... The, the dugout there, you can really hear it when people shout stuff, especially when it's quiet when someone's down for injury. So I think it, it it is a toxic environment starting to occur at the ground, and and that's never good, never never good. Yeah, we're just just in this unique situation where obviously a lot of times out of ten, Grand Potter will be sacked, and he's not going to be. So you know, maybe rally the fans a bit. I've called for this, like maybe. Come on, like I don't. I'm not a pre- not like a press release, but like you know, get his uh, PR advisor to go. But maybe in the press, you can say, "Look, Chelsea fans, I know it's not going well, and maybe we can galvanize the troops a bit, it's like galvanize the troops a bit, something like that." Because at the moment, it's like it's just not connecting with the fans at all, and it's not helping his calls at all. So and it's only going to get worse. I mean, Tottenham next. We don't like losing to Tottenham, 
And you know, under previous managers, we don't lose to Tottenham. If he has a bad result on Sunday, it's gonna get it's gonna turn ugly for him with the fans at least, even if it doesn't with the board. Well, that moves us nicely on to the Tottenham game. That's our best segue yet. Yeah, I, I think, think so, that, yeah. Wasn't even on, that wasn't even on purpose. That was brilliant. Um, we we visit Tottenham on Sunday lunchtime um, because the Carabao Cup final's on, so it's uh, slightly earlier than I think it would have been. Um, Chelsea, Chelsea have actually won the last three games at Tottenham and not conceded a single goal. Yep. How about mm. that? Yeah. How about that? Um, yeah. Well, well, maybe. <laughs> <Not a job>. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go um, back? Can we go back there? <laughs> um, Tottenham have won eight of their twelve home games um, this season. Yeah, um, including Man City, and they're actually the only team not to draw at home this season. Fun fact for you. Um, and we always draw, so <laughs> uh, we haven't won away still. Someone's got to give. <laughs> we haven't won away since mid-October. We still the wait continues. Also, um, I know we're not playing at home, but we we did lose our fabulous home record um, of not conceding in the first half. <laughs> I hate to see that. I'm glad it's gone, so you can stop mentioning it. To be honest, <laughs> um, we've <laughs> we've only knocked in ten goals away from home this season. Oof. Go on, give me some more terrible stats. <laughs> um, so my question to you guys is. Um, Who's the first name on the team sheet? I'll start with you, Craig. I think uh, Enzo. I'll go with Enzo. The first name on the team sheet. Actually, no, I'm not going with Enzo. Can I I'll just say with... a little something on Enzo? Because he, he actually could have made it in the boiling heart. He, his numbers on Saturday were actually really, really good. Yeah, he had a good and game. he's always near the top of the list. Like five tackles, two interceptions, two blocks, two attempted, uh, four attempted take-ons, two success. One of the highest pass accuracies. Yeah, he's, he's like... he, he he went under the radar a little bit, but he was actually really, really good again. And I yeah. think that, that he's kind of hit a level now where pe- people are just kind of expecting it, which is actually amazing. After, I mean, like, one months. of our friends called him, uh, the. he's just a blonde Jorginho. And uh, A, he shaved his, his head this week, so he's no longer blonde. But B, he's, he's nothing like Jorginho. He's literally nothing like Jorginho. <laughs> he's, he's a lot better than Jorginho, I think. That is um, for sure. Well, he's um, like basically the only constant shining light in our team at the moment, form-wise, isn't he? Like some flicker in and out, but he's the one who's really come in and let's hope it continues. Um, um, so yeah, you're so going first, for Enzo? No, no. no. The, first, the first name on the team sheet for me is Thiago Silva or Rhys James. One of yeah, those two. Yeah. Those are our two best players. So oh, then, then Enzo. Yeah, then Enzo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think Silva's definitely the first name for me. Um, yeah, and Rhys and then Enzo. So I think that it's interesting. Um, who are you playing alongside uh, Silva? I thought Badia Sheila actually didn't have a very good game on Saturday. I think he Silva not being there affected him, right? I mean, yeah. It must be weird for Badia Sheila because obviously, I don't think being left out of the Champions League squad, I'm sure he understood it. That, that was very good for his confidence because he had a very good rhythm and flow. And then he, he kind of he, he earned his way to play the Champions League and didn't play. And then Kula Badia had a very good game in Dortmund. So Potter's probably got a bit of a decision for Sunday now. Um, I think he'll probably go with Badia Shield, but we could see Fafana start. Fafana was brilliant. So we've got a lot of options at the back now and a lot of uh, left footers on the back, as we alluded to last week. But um, I'm not 100% sure who's going to partner Silver, actually. Um, I, I couldn't call it, actually. Probably Badia Shield's your favourite, but not sure. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Badia Shield. I, I don't yeah. really think there's any other any other option. You don't think he's start Fafana, though? No, I, I, I don't think you can just chuck 
Fafana into this game. I think Fafana will start the Leeds game. He, well, he chucked yeah. the other Fafana in against Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> you think he might match up against Tottenham's three four three and and then play three of them? No, I think he's pretty set on. I think he's. I, I saw a, um, a video earlier by a brilliant video by Tifo IRL. They're, they're really good um, athletic sponsored tactics, and Potter seems to just stuck with this um, this four. This 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 four about four four two three one at the moment. He doesn't seem to. He's played the last like ten games, right? And it seems that like he's just not as fluid in his thinking. He just wants to play some rigid structure, so that the team have got some structure. I think he'll just play the same personally. I don't see him moving on from this four two three one anytime soon. Uh, the results have been bad enough where there's a chance, I guess, that he goes back to three four three. But I think he he just really wants to work on this formation. Like I said, I think they've bought players for this formation as well. I think you know yeah. you're looking at Madweke and Mudrik. These are wingers in a four two three one. They're they're not inside forwards in a three four three. So I really be, would be surprised if he uh, if he changes formation. I mean, he didn't do it in Dortmund, did he? And I think that was the time to do it, as Craig said. So that once he hasn't done, he didn't do it in Dortmund, did he? No, no, we played four. So yeah. I think in a, you know Dortmund was a bigger game than Spurs. So. I think you'll keep it the same. Who, who are you par- who are you pairing up with Enzo? Are you going for Kovacic or we we didn't see any of Zakaria on uh, Saturday. I think I think he might play Loftus Cheek. Yeah, because um, Loftus Cheek Ruben's been solid. Hover at the moment. I don't know. With, I've never it's a World Cup season. I mean, I love Matteo Kovacic. Like one of my one of the most underrated Chelsea players in recent times. Like the silky smooth technician. But he's had a bit. He's had a very up and down season. And he's like he's part. He's, his passing is a bit off. He's just a bit off, and I think it's the World Cup, and I think his contracts are going to be up in eighteen months. And maybe he's thinking about moving on. I mean, so, this isn't this. He was bought, wasn't he, to play this the six? In that is his role, isn't it? The double six and a three four three. He's fantastic at that because um, yeah. he sort of offers everything, but not anything, you know, special at the top end of the pitch. But everything you want from a, a centre mid, he offers apart from that. Um, so he's perfect for that. Whether I think he's, he's he's good enough defensively to play sort of next to Enzo in a four-two-three-one, um, I'm not sure if it's you know obviously he's good enough to play there, but it doesn't suit him. It doesn't bring out the best of his um, him as a player. So yeah, I I don't think that he'll start Ruben ahead of him though. I, I still think he'll give this Enzo Kovacic double pivot a chance, but he, he might not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I think a good pairing for Enzo would be Kante, who probably would be a good pairing for most people. But the Enzo Kovacic thing didn't quite have the same fluidity no. and like dynamic that you'd think it would. It just seemed to like they were both kind of doing the same thing. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe Loftus Cheek would be a better option. Um, we'll see. I mean, Enzo might need a, he's had a week off, maybe he doesn't need a rest. I thought he'd get one last Saturday, but. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting midfield. I mean, Spurs have got, got injuries in there. Like Benton Cole's injured, and I Hoiberg played kind of half injured um, the other day, and they put they had to play Skip and that kid Saar against Milan. So like, we should like yeah, we got play. a chance to really boss the midfield. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like, on, on paper, this is a good game for us to play. The good time to play Spurs. And obviously, we got a good record versus anyway, and you know, it's a huge game for us, much bigger game for us than them. I'd say. Well, they've got top four aspirations, but this is like a. If we lose again against Spurs, I've said it's, it's obviously terrible. So, yeah, I think maybe Ruben just to, to play it safe, but like could be either him or Cover, similar maybe to the centre back situation. But yeah, probably favour Ruben over Cover. Just a bit of a feeling. What about the attack? So you got we're thinking the Mudrick, Felix, 
well, Sterling, I would say, ahead of Madueke. I don't think Madueke would start this game. I think Madueke didn't have a great game against Southampton, and I can't can't see him not restarting Raheem Sterling personally. Yeah, Yeah, I I would go. I I think, you know, with Tottenham, they've got a big pitch down there as well, much bigger than than Stamford Bridge. I think you're looking at Mudrick, Sterling, and Felix for me in those um, attacking positions. I think that would work really, really well with Havertz up top. Magic Man, warming up. Do you think there's a way that he plays Kai a bit deeper and he puts Felix up top? Because obviously Kai played, remember Kai played quite well deeper against Man City at home. It's something I'm just thinking about with Kai that maybe they switch positions a little bit. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I think you can have that flexibility with him. That's one of the reasons Potter seems to be obsessed with playing him for 90 minutes every I mean, game. To be honest, I mean, just to touch on Kai a little bit, like when we came on, the attack seemed to know what they were doing and Felix was much more comfortable. Felix looked a little bit lost about Havertz. I mean... Felix, I mean, maybe... <laughs> the key to unlock... Yeah. Jal Felix will I mean, be found so in the freezer. Like, 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 we always, like, bang on that, like, Kai doesn't, on the optic is not great, but there must be a reason that, like, Potter keeps playing him over and over. Yeah, I mean, so, I think we talked about this in the last pod, that, you know, he does everything that you want anyone to do in that position in terms of work rate, being in the right places, you know, um, but actually when he touches the ball... That's when it ends all the good stuff, right? You know, he, he's not a, yeah. a, a, an elite finisher. He's not an elite creator. He, he doesn't really offer much in and around the box in terms of goal threat or or creativity. So, you know, that's where you lose it with Kai in terms of his, you know, what he's doing tactically. I think he's great. I think he's he covers the ground. You know, he's he's perfect for to be a false nine apart from his actual ability on the ball. I think he'll be a lot better when he's older. He he kind of comes across someone who's a little bit naive, um, and maybe he's bit in his own head. I think it's a mentality thing. I'm not sure he hundred percent believes himself. I think it's I think it's a confidence thing. I think he because you see on Saturday he came on and it was the pressure was off because we're like we were already losing, so he had to come on as sort of like and help them out. And he's sort of a different player. I mean that cross for Sterling was like unbelievable. He didn't even look. He just he had a little, a little glance, whipped it, perfect ball. I mean, people were moaning on Saturday that he didn't shoot when he like squared it for Sterling. I mean, he put it on a plate for Sterling. But one thing I'll say about he does, he does seem quite like he he is trying to do all the right things. Like I think he's actually quite an intelligent guy. Um, you can he's, see he's that, and it's he's a mystery, isn't he? Every week we try and work him out, and we can't. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem like it's it's almost like his his mind and his body don't don't quite go in the same direction a lot of the time. Um, I. I I still hold out hope for him. Yeah. I really do. I mean, I don't remember the last time we played Spurs was the uh, infamous Conte Tuchel firecracker. So let's see if uh, Potter and uh, I don't know his name, but uh, Tottenham's uh, assistant coach go at it go at it on Sunday. They might be locking horns. You know, we know Potter likes a bit of a tear up on the sidelines, so we never know. <laughs> Tell you what, if we get a late winner and he sprints down the touchline, <laughs> celebrating Potter like Mourinho no. versus Paul, the Mourinho oh, Porto slides there. Yeah, in my dreams. But in all, in all seriousness, obviously when we won under Lampard there a few years ago, like something like that, because obviously you get a big allocation at Tottenham and it's a big stadium. And like just the Sky Sports cameras or wherever it's been showed, like just on Potter, just like if we win the game and some, that would be huge on the optics for him versus Spurs. This is a, We say it every single week for Potter. Like last week was a big opportunity. This is a big opportunity. This is an unbelievably... It's a massive opportunity for Potter. <laughs> How many ways can we say big? <laughs> Unbelievably big, huge, massive, gargantuan chance for Potter to just get a little bit of credit back with the Chelsea fans. If he can beat Spurs and, you know, 
pump his chest doing it. And I will say on the on the flip side, I think a loss to Spurs, especially a bad one on Sunday, and I think that's it for a lot of the match going away fans. I think they would have absolutely had enough as they wander out of that ground um, <laughs> and head down Seven Sisters Road, that massive long road back towards yeah. the the tube station. You know. That'll be it in their heads for for Graham Potter, I think, if we lose, especially badly on Sunday. A big game. It's a huge game. It is a huge game. It's a big game for Spurs as well. But obviously, they're in a bit of a dogfight for top four as well with Newcastle and, um, well, United are clear of them. But yeah, they're in, and obviously Liverpool are improving in the league. So it's a massive game for Spurs as well. So big, big Sunday showdown. Big, talking about big games. What about your? Have you got another quiz for us? Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, thank you, love you. I think well, that was one of the poorer segues, was it? <laughs> Speaking about well, well, all right. one good one, one bad one. We'll take it anyway. But uh, right, our, our Spurs-related quiz this week is a bit of a triple-barrel question. But let's see what we can get. I'm not sure how difficult this will be, but let's have a, let's have a go. In what year did Chelsea record their biggest away win at Spurs? Now, it was in the Prem era, because I'm not going to give you the whole history. What year did Chelsea record their biggest away win at Spurs? It was at White Hart Lane. I, I was remember was this K. when Gary Cahill scored? No, this is Tor Andre Flo. This is 6-1, yeah. right? Yeah, well done, 6-1. That was the score. Um, yeah, that was so, the second question. <laughs> I think the year is, is hard, right? Because... Yeah. I'll, I'll, like go, 98. I'll, I'll give you the manager. The manager was Rude Hullet. 2000. No, he wasn't manager then. That was I think 96. I'm going 97. Right, 96 for Chris, 97 for Craig. It's going to be 98, isn't it? 97. December 97. Wow. Wow. I, did, I did say 97 originally. Wow. Wow. Now, can you name, Craig named one of them, can you name the goal scorers that day? Yeah, so f- Flo... How many did Flo get? He got a hat-trick, did he? Yeah, do you remember that third one? He just chipped it over the keeper. Absolute filth. Just like brilliant finish. And what are the other three? Did, um, did Burley score? Is this like a... No, no, this is uh, that's too early, I think. That's too early? Someone came... That, that, someone came... That, there's two very famous players of that era who scored, and then one, that if you get it, I'll be like... So, you know, I'll, I'll buy you a pint uh, next time I see you. Yeah, did Hughes score? No. Mark Steen. No, no. Super Dan Petrescu. Did yeah. Bjarne did, did Goldbeck score? No, that was that was another game. He did in score away. Yeah, yeah, that was after. We're going for the league the year later, I think. Yeah, that was the season after. God, I'm trying to remember. I do remember Flo's goals so well in that game, but I think because I've seen the clips this of This player scored a very famous goal in a final just in that year. Matteo. Di Matteo. Now, the last one, I can't see you getting. I'll give you the initials. Michael Dubry. No. MN. Off the bench. Mark Nichols. Mark Nichols. Got, they got the nice. sixth goal. Nice, nice, nice. So, yeah, well done, lads. Yeah, 6 1. That was um, the biggest. Seen him, uh... seen him score live, Mark Nichols. The one I remember it as a very, yeah, very I... young. I think he might have been. I might have been mistaken. I think he was at the Viardi tribute as well, which is very nice. So, um, oh, that is he, nice. Though. Yeah, but um, yeah, like a game that I actually highlights. Like, it's kind of old school highlights. You get them match of the day sort of on YouTube, and I watch. Try and watch every couple of months just to make me happy. 
So uh, the flow hat trick always brings joy to my heart. So yeah, hopefully uh, we've had some uh, great games. To be fair, at, at, away at Tottenham, it's been just a great stadium for us. And and yeah, let's see if we can keep the tradition going on uh, on let's Sunday. See if we can get seven on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your predictions for Sunday, boys? What have we got? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> boys, boys, boys! Like right, this week here, just one thing: realism, please. Not four 0 and all that. I feel like we've been, yeah, just miles off in our predictions. It's kind of embarrassing, actually. Um, but I'll go. I'm. I'll go with one one. Chris, you go. Who nil Chelsea? <laughs> just still on it. <laughs> just keep predicting uh, Chelsea win, and eventually, it'll eventually, come yeah. It's a... <laughs> I'm gonna go for a one one. Don't really, yeah. Just, I think we'll score. I can't. I, I, think, I think we're going to get a disappointing one-one in a game that we play well in. That's why. Yeah. I think so. Maybe like a two-one XG victory, like the classic Potter coach to win approach. But uh, a one-one for me, not a two-nil, Chris. Don't be thinking there. But yeah. Well, everybody optimist, Chris, on the podcast. That's good. We, we need we need someone. Uh, we you do yeah we do because otherwise it would be <laughs> misery around here. But yeah. All right. Um... That's it. That's all we've got time for today. Um, regardless of the results, we'll be back next week. Um, for more updates on all things the SCR, you can follow us on Twitter at Eat Sleep Chelsea and we're also on Instagram at Eat Sleep Chelsea Repeat. As always, we hope you're carefree wherever you may be. And thanks for listening. <laughs>